Welcome to Brand Appeal, where we talk about brand storytelling in the digital age. I'm your host, Shannon Peel, and today I talked with Yaval Ackerman about email marketing. So if you are interested in upping your email marketing game and increasing your open rates, keep listening. Thank you, Yaval, for joining me today here on Brand Appeal. And I have one question for you. What is it that you want to be known for? I would love to be known for being a good storyteller. Me too. Me too. So <laughs> what kind of stories do you tell? It's so funny because I'm trying to always redefine this for myself as well, but it always boils down to connections and people and relationships. What makes us human fascinates me. So I'm just exploring this in all kinds of different paths and ways. I've always been a storyteller, always. But when I embraced it as a profession, I just had found my purpose and I found what I was supposed to be doing. I really do enjoy it because it's easy for me. When we do the things that we are gifted to do, it makes life just a lot more easier and you're able to enjoy what you do, provide a product that is amazing and help others to get noticed in the marketplace. Yeah. And, and more than that, it helps you get up in the morning and get out of bed. That's your purpose. When you, when you are doing your purpose, you Absolutely. have no problem getting up out of the morning and getting out of bed and doing the work. What is your favorite part of storytelling? Well, nowadays it's um, email marketing and mm -hmm. how people can actually utilize their email marketing to tell better stories and to sell their products, their services with storytelling, honest, vulnerable, open, communicative storytelling. You're right, because email marketing is coming back huge. For a while there, everyone's like, oh, email marketing doesn't work, doesn't work, doesn't work. And now, because social media isn't working, everybody seems to be jumping on this big bandwagon saying, we got to do email marketing, we got to go big. But mm -hmm. there's a lot of things to email marketing that can trip you up and you end up in a spam. So how do you stay out of spam? Let's start with there. I call it the new subscriber training. When you do get a new subscriber, what I always recommend my clients to do is to set the expectations and also let their new subscribers know that they're going to receive an email in the next couple of minutes or next couple of hours and where to find it and what to do if they don't find it in their inbox, if they find it in the promotions tab or if they find it in the spam, the quickest thing you can do is basically drag this email to the right folder, letting your subscribers know that this can happen and why this can happen. Just tell them, hey, here's how you can resolve this. And it's pretty easy. And you can find so many tutorials that you can also put on, on page yourself it's pretty easy. And as soon as you really show your subscriber how to do things and what's the reasoning behind it, you're off to a good start. Yes. Yes. It's about managing those expectations and letting them know when, if A, then B. Absolutely. You know, they're not going to go out and look for your email in spam. They're not. Unless they're super excited about having you in your, in their inboxes, uh, which I sometimes am, but you know, I know that I'm a bit weird like that. So yeah, as you said, most people will not look in spam. What kind of emails are most people wanting to send? 
because there's different types mm-hmm. of emails, right? Are they wanting to you, send out a relationship email or are they wanting to send out that sales email? Do you want the, the honest answer yeah. or the like the professional answer? Well, let's go with the honest answer. <laughs> people don't want to send emails because mostly people don't like receiving emails because the, the conception that we have in our heads is that email marketing is still kind of a sleazy thing to do. What I'm helping my clients do is to do it ethically and to do it in a way that doesn't feel icky and sleazy and they don't have to feel guilty about sending newsletters or uh, sequences. So the professional answer would be email that nurtures the the bond and the connection um, that this business owner can have with their subscribers. It can be a thousand and one things. You know, the what I love about email marketing is how, as you said, vast it is. But with that comes, there are so many opportunities to utilize it in so many different creative ways. And I know for a fact that each and every person does it differently. And that's what makes it beautiful to me. Well, last year, I, I dove deep into email marketing and I did a bunch of testing and I have ended up with a list of 5,000 people that with an open rate of 80%, which is great. This is unbelievable. But there are certain things that I did and was willing to do to ensure that I found those names, nurtured that list to ensure that I've only got people on the list that want to be on that list. Absolutely. I think there's a fear that most business owners, most marketing people have when it comes to this list, like it, you, it takes so much effort to get an email into the list that they don't want to get rid of that email when it won't respond. Yeah, I wouldn't say that's the wrong approach or the wrong way to look at it. It kind of is, though, because as you said, you only want to have people on your list who are actually interested in being on your list. It's it's a huge mind shift to say, well, actually, it's a privilege to be on my list. But as soon as you think like that, then cleaning up your list is such a an easy thing to do. And it's an important thing to do, especially if you have a couple of uh, thousands or dozens of thousands of subscribers on your list. And I highly encourage everyone listening, doing that every once in a while, and even sending a dedicated unsubscribing email to people who haven't opened your emails for the past, who knows how many moons. Yeah, I'm, I got a little bit crazy and I probably kick people out a little bit too soon. <laughs> Because I I set it up automatically. I set up the whole thing where they go into the list and then they get a series of emails over time. You know, after four emails, there's this trigger that says, if they didn't open up any emails, they're gone. Mm. And out they go. So if they don't open up emails for a month, I kick them out and replace them with new names. Because I went out and got a list of 80,000 people. And went through that list. And I know that there's a lot of people out there that I probably kicked out way too soon. But that's okay. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Because now I have a dedicated 5,000 people who are actually interested in getting an email from me. I subscribe as a marketer. I subscribe to tons of different email lists. Right? My, my email is on more email lists than I 
prepared to count. I get so many emails that are just buy, 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 buy. 30% off, 30% off, 15% off. And I find those emails to be of no value to me. And I end up just deleting them without opening them, which is a bad trigger to the email provider saying, well, this email address is spammy. And then you, there's that whole technical piece, right? Like you don't want people on your list that delete without opening. Absolutely. People actually want to to read stories uh, because I truly believe and it's, you know, it's a fact. We are inherently storytellers. It's as old as time. Stories are as old as time. Um, we want to receive value from whoever it is we're subscribed to their list. We want to read stories. We want to see what's in it for me mm-hmm. in the stories that they're actually telling. And so if you combine those things every so often, you know, with a good balance of things, you actually send some kind of a sales email, then I think you're golden. I think you're good. I also believe that every email is a sales email, but you, you have to learn how to do that wisely. Mm-hmm. It's about testing, 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 and testing. A hundred percent. In my list of emails that went out, I would do for informative. Here's some advice on how you can tell your brand story. Here's something to think about when it comes to telling your brand story. Here's something you need to know about. And then I would put in how I could help you. Guess which one of those emails I got the most unsubscribes on? Hmm. Probably the first. No. No? No. But I ended up with the most unsubscribes on the last one, on the sales one, where I would, when I came in with a sales thing and said, this is how Market Appeal can help you tell your brand story. It's true because if people haven't unsubscribed up until now, then they bought into your story. They want to hear from you and they, they will stick with you then. And then when they get that sales email, they're like, oh, I don't, sometimes I'm thinking they're not connecting the dots with what they've been getting up until now. And now they're like, oh, well, it's a sales thing. I, I don't want this in my email. And they just automatically unsubscribe. And it's like, okay, dude, I'm not sure if you meant to do that because you were opening up and clicking and engaging and then not. So there are times though, that when people will go through and they'll open up and open up and they'll be opening up for months. And then all of a sudden, and that's fine. That's a part of a list hygiene, I would say. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's a fascinating question. I'm trying to research it myself as well. Yeah, my research, I found that there are certain triggers that Gmail and Outlook and all those things that say whether or not it goes into spam, look at and rank your email address. That's one thing I think that most people are not understanding is that there are systems out there ranking and giving you points and removing points from your email address and your email address then has a reputation. Yep. And you better keep it a good one. As always. So when you're creating your emails, what kind of, what kind of structure do you you suggest people have? I can tell you what I use for my own emails on a weekly basis. Um, I use the hook story lesson challenge and call to action. I always believe that a good copy needs to lure you in line by line, sentence by sentence. But a hook is basically the one thing that determines whether or not I want to even continue reading this email or not at all, or just 
you know, abort. So the hook is that opening line, which its whole purpose is to pique curiosity. And then the story is usually something that I've been through maybe this week or a few weeks ago or sometimes. And then the lesson is basically what I learned from this story. And the challenge is how does this apply to you as a business owner or to you as someone who's reading this? And the call to action is something related to all of this um, that hopefully will benefit us both. Mm -hmm. Either I will get the click and I'll be happy, you know, because I'm obsessive about my data as well. And hopefully the other side will get something out of it, like a good resource or a nice song as well. Sometimes it's a nice song to close the the, the email with. Sometimes I do that, you know, and people love it. And sometimes it's uh, let me know what you thought in a quick reply and people actually reply. And that's a wonderful, wonderful thing because people are, I think, the most terrified of replying. So that's that's a little training that I'm also trying to do myself, but I'm a little bit ahead of myself. The, the hook, story, lesson, challenge, and call to action. I like that strategy and that structure. Because one of the things that I do wrong is I don't have a structure that I continually follow. They might be the same structure, same structure, same structure. Oh, something completely different. How about you try this? And all of a sudden my unsubscribe goes, because it looks different. So they don't put the dots together that it's the same person. So it's important to have that structure and that image and the same look. How much do you put into the, uh, like the header or the branding of the email list? In terms of design? Yeah. Almost zero whatsoever. <laughs> really. <laughs> I mean, I like things to look nicely, but I, I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a techie person. I'm not a design person. And whoever's on my list is there for the value. They're not for the, there for the glitters. I do like adding gifts to my emails uh, occasionally, but that's about it. It's not about how it looks. It's, it's about what I deliver. You know what I'm going to tell you? I love that because the emails that I usually send out in the structure don't have images. They don't have, even have my logo on them. They're just an email. They're just words as if I typed it up and sent it out. The only difference is, is it's got that legally thing that we have to legally have at the bottom for them to subscribe. But I find that those emails get better results than when I throw in a bunch of graphics and have a header and make it look really markety and salesy. Those yeah, ones, because they're relatable. Yeah, because when I do the marketing salesy stuff, that's when my unsubscribe rate all of a sudden skyrockets. Interesting. Well, it, oh, this is a marketing piece. This is a sales piece. This is just, you're, it's not different. It's not like my friend just emailed me some information. Exactly. Also, in terms of deliverability, I know that I said that I'm not an expert in that. When you have more design and uh, when your emails are heavier, that definitely alerts the email providers that this is something suspicious that I can tell for sure. But yeah, keeping it simple also in terms of um, readability, schemability, deliverability, as we said, and also we can go one step further and, and talk about how, how is this accessible to different types of people who are reading your email? So accessibility as well. It really is because we don't have a lot of time in our lives. I wake up to 
lots of emails that I go through and I just go tick, 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 delete. But there are some there that I like, read the subject line and I go, hmm, I'm actually interested in that. So I don't delete it, but I don't always get back to it either. So what do you do in the subject line so that people don't hit delete? Mm-hmm. That's something that I'm, I'm trying to understand how to define myself because I was a journalist for three years, a decade ago. And for me, headlines is almost like my second nature. I, I cannot really explain what makes a good headline a good headline besides the fact that it needs to, again, pique curiosity. It needs to be genuine and it has to not be clickbaity because we are all sick and tired of those things <laughs> so mm-hmm. much. When you do write a, a headline, it also has to, you know, the, the email itself has to deliver mm-hmm. what you promised. That's the flip side of things. Oh, that is so important. And, you know, when I think about structuring the the subject line, I'm always cognizant of the fact that I'm talking to an audience. This isn't about me. This is about them. Mm -hmm. So I'm using the word you. I'm asking a question. I'm creating something that speaks to them as if we are having a conversation right off the bat. Another thing that I ask myself is, would I open this email with this subject line? Because, you know, we we are, we have way too many things that we follow and way too many lists that we follow, but we're way more critical toward anything that we see in this marketing realm. So if if that's something that I would click on, that's usually my, my green light to myself that I'm, that I'm okay, that I can send it like this. That is one thing I do get out of having so many email marketing lists because I take a look and I go, okay, okay, I didn't delete this one. Why didn't I delete this one? What is this of interest? And I can analyze what, why I'm deleting. You know, when I think about the amount of email that I get, how do you organize yourself? That's a good question. I think the most honest answer would have to be divided into twos. Sometimes when I'm getting way too many emails from a sender that I remember that I haven't opened their emails for a while, then I unsubscribe. So every once in a blue moon, I'm having this spare of the moment, like, okay, I, I need to clear this out of my inbox. But I'm also a member in a entrepreneurs community and we have a monthly decluttering sessions and every once in a while (laughs) that's one of my goals to basically declutter my inbox because I'm an inbox zero person Mm -hmm. Um, and honestly I haven't had an inbox zero in weeks now and it's driving me insane so decluttering sessions are amazing amazing I highly recommend doing them with your friends even Uh, just take an hour and do them my email inbox would drive you insane. It would drive you batty. <laughs> I don't think it's ever past zero. <laughs> Never been close. <laughs> I save everything because there's always times when I got to go and search out an email that I've had to have. There's never been a time when I haven't had to do that. So I end up saving everything. You know, for me, what I found was this app. It's really great because it's called newsletters. Mm-hmm. So it's newsletters with two S's at the end. So it's RSS at the end. You sign up for it. Basically you get an email address and you create this email address at newsletters.com. 
And then you use that to sign up for newsletters and all your newsletters go into this app, which you can then, when I'm sitting on my couch and I want something to do, I go through and read the ones that I want to read. And I have different email addresses based on topic. So it's like, oh, I want to read this one. I want to read this one. (laughs) Interesting. You know what, Shannon, that that could have been a really good solution for me as well, unless I had like at least four different Gmails and who knows what else. So I'm I'm just going to stick to my own inbox <laughs> for now. <laughs> well, I, I am that kind of person that does have like five or six or seven Gmail accounts out there that I haven't opened in years. And now they've become a graveyard. Oh, a graveyard <laughs> trash. For, for, for newsletters and stuff that I had <laughs> signed up for. And people are still sending to me years, decades later, actually. And the funny thing, the thing that I think everyone needs to be aware of is that these email addresses that you abandoned become trap for your uh, reputation. Because if you're sending emails into these, basically, the, I can't remember what they're called, but like Gmail, go, okay, this is a whatever it's called type of email account. And if someone is sending email to that account, it reflects negatively on your email address because you haven't updated your list. In terms of the one who's managing the list. Right. So if you're, if I'm sending, so if I have abc at gmail.com and I haven't opened that account for 10 years, they will take, Gmail will take that and say, okay, well, we're going to use this as a way to determine which emails out there are sending spam or are sending marketing. Because if they're sending it to this address 10 years later, they're not, and on a regular basis, and this person's not even opening up their email, I am not taking care of my list. And I'm obviously just marketing out to anyone and just spamming and sending stuff out and sending stuff out and sending stuff out. Even if it's an opt-in, they will take that and say, okay, well, it's very important for you to stay on top of your list. As far as I'm concerned, that's the list hygiene 101. Mm-hmm. But then again, I'm not a list manager. And I am not in a position to tell them how to do their job. <laughs> yeah, I think especially if if you have hundreds of thousands of names or, or addresses, that's something that you, you have to do on a regular basis. Well, that's, solo, that's how it comes across to me, you know? Well, as a solopreneur, and like when you're doing it yourself, as you know, you have to pay money for how many email addresses you have. So when you're getting up to the 5,000, 10,000, you know, I had it up to 11,000. I don't want to be spending this money because I'm not making it back. And I just pruned my list. Way to go. (laughs) And when I did that, I learned, hey, guess what? I pruned my list and I went from a 50% open rate to an 80% open rate. There you go. And also you put in place all kinds of uh, criterias or tags, so to speak, to help you eliminate or, or delete those users automatically. You really don't have to do the hygiene more than once a year seriously um the rest could be automated absolutely yeah and nowadays email automation is so much easier than it ever was before you know i've been doing email since email started as you can tell from the gray hair well not since email started sorry i wasn't born when email started (laughs) (laughs) i stayed silent there for a while because you know i don't have that much gray hair (laughs) 
didn't think so. But you know, just to be on the safe side. Well, you know what though? Email I was email was two years old when I was born. There you have it. <laughs> so and the first mass email, I was how old was I? I was five when the first ma- mass email went out. And that first mass email made the company $13 million in sales. Wow. That was the first big spam thing. Um, it's interesting to look back in the history of email and see how it has evolved over the years. Like when I wrote newsletters back in 1990 something, there was no adding a picture or making it look funny <laughs> or fancy or it was words. That's all it was. Yep. And then we got really, really fancy. And I'm finding that when they're just words, I get better engagement. So sometimes the tools that we have and the, just because we can, doesn't always mean we should. Yeah, I fully agree. So let's talk about lists and how you build that list. So how are you building your list? So I'm trying all kinds of different things. I'm experimenting because I'm a huge fan of experimenting. So one path that I'm exploring right now is talking about this on my LinkedIn mm-hmm. and telling, you know, very short stories about what I'm about to tell um, in, in my weekly newsletter or what it is that I'm doing with my welcome sequence, for example, which is quite different from other welcome sequences that I've seen out there in the wild. I'm talking everywhere I can and inviting other people to join me if they want to hear more from me or to read more from me. And what else? I'm on Instagram. I'm on on the major um, social media platforms. Uh, but the aim is always, always, always to own the platform and uh, the narrative and to get people out of social media and into the list. So yeah, all kinds of talks. Uh, word of mouth has been working amazing, amazingly for me. I can talk about freebies and I've done that in the past. Honestly, I did not like it myself. So I know that my subscribers didn't like it as much too. I I find that I'm very similar to, to my subscribers and with my readers in terms of preferences. You can do a lead magnet. You can do a freebie. Honestly, right now it's all about me talking about the value that I'm bringing in my own newsletter and just talking about this wherever I am and wherever I can. Mm -hmm. What you're doing when you have email is you are bringing those pieces together because social media fractures our brand stories. Mm -hmm. It fractures it. So when you bring people off of social media and bring them into something like an email, you're bringing those pieces together and giving them something of value for them that helps them understand your story better. Now, you do have calls to action and click-throughs. One, are you sending them to your website? Again, it really depends. So um, if you have a a new page or or a new landing page, that's that's a good reason to send them to your website. Another thing could be a new blog, which is hopefully packed with value. You can send people to your website for a whole bunch of reasons, but it has to be beneficial for them mm-hmm. more than it's worth the click for your data. Right. How much strategy do you put into the content that you're putting into your weekly email? 
I would say a lot <laughs> because I always say, you know, my, my call to action wherever I am um, talking about my list is come see me practice what I preach. And so I kind of feel like I'm obligated to show up and, and bring my best self, mm-hmm. which, which is a great thing either way. Not so much for a recovering perfectionist, though. <laughs> so I'm putting a lot of effort in, into this, thinking of ideas for my newsletter in the beginning of every week. But something that I started experimenting with, well, is letting my social media followers decide which of the things that I thought about or which of the experiences that I've been through throughout the week would they like to hear more of. Mm-hmm. And so I'm using, um, let's say, the polls on Instagram and I'm getting results. And um, honestly, I've seen better open rates thanks to that. That's something that I, I think I will keep on doing for a little while. Well, I love how you are talking, to, you're starting the conversation at social media and saying, okay, help me decide what to write about because I there's so much I could write about, but what is it that you want to know about? you're asking your, your audience what the story should be about. And a lot of times we sit here behind our computers and go, okay, what are we going to write about? Uh, well, let's write about this because we think this is gonna be important to our audience, but it's not important. And then we're surprised when it doesn't land because we thought it was important, but really it's not important. So asking your audience is hugely a great way to get them engaged in the story as well. Like when it comes to the magazine that I'm putting out for this whole 100 and 100, I sent the cover to the people in my list that have been on the podcast. I sent them three options. I'm like, okay, with a link to a survey where they could vote. Like, okay, vote for which one you want because I don't know. I've got three ideas here and I'm not sure which one's gonna land. And I, you know, they voted and I had one that was 60%. So I know that that one is going to land better with people than the other two. And I would have picked the one that was the least likely to land. Interesting. So engaging your audience can actually help you to land better with them. So I love the fact that you're using polls. You're helping your audience, you're engaging your audience right from the beginning because now they have buy-in. Absolutely. They're a part of the, the narrative. Uh, they have the, the power to, to see what it is that they're going to receive or see uh, on their inbox, in their inboxes. Um, and, and, and more than that, I mean, I'm sorry that it's so superficial in a sense, but it's, it's data. <laughs> it's, it's again, it's data. It's knowing more about my subscribers because on Instagram, I can see who voted for what. I don't know if on your survey you could actually see that or if whether it was anonymous. I could, but I made it anonymous because I didn't even ask for their email address. <laughs> I was just like, I just need so, to know who wants what. Exactly. Um, but in my case, I can actually see who wanted what, who chose what. And that could also spark a conversation in itself. You know, even if you haven't chosen the one um, that I'm going to send an email about, I might be, you know, sending you a DM later on and say, hey, I mean, it's not what I wrote about this week, but keep an eye on your inbox. I might write about this next week. Well, it also enables you to tag your audience. 
So you're able to go through and say, okay, well, this person's interested in this, this person's interested in this, and this person's interested in this. And now you can segment for those specialized mm -hmm. uh, emails. Like maybe you're like, right now you're doing one email, more of a general email once a week. And then you do a specialized email just for those people that are interested in something specific. Absolutely. I mean, I guess that is the next stage. I'm just very new with experimenting with those kinds of polls on Instagram. So that would definitely be the next stage. It comes down to utilizing the tools that we have to discover what people are interested in and then talking them to them on an individual basis. How much do you personalize your emails? Like, do you use hello, so-and-so, how are you doing today? What's the weather like in such and such a place? Like, do you use personalization? I do, but I use it to the extent where it doesn't make me vomit when I read it to myself out loud, mm -hmm. which I think is this, the, you know, the sweet spot because I think the other day I got an email where I saw my first name appearing like eight times in less than 500 words. And I thought, this is way too much. No one would ever talk to me like this. In fact, I know maybe one person who would, but that's one person in, I don't know how many thousands of people that I know. So, so yeah, I mean, personalization, I, I always tell my clients, use it to the extent where when you read it out loud, it doesn't sound weird. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, for my, that 5,000 list, I don't collect, I never collected the data their name I didn't put their names in the things or anything like that so it was just their email and so it's not personalized at all I have other lists that aren't that big that people have had to sign up for and opt into basically based on their membership on my website and those ones are going are more hey I can utilize personalization in order to have that converse to make it more of a conversation by saying by asking questions like oh I hope the weather in such and such a place is great the weather here in right now it's windier than windy if for Vancouver this time of year or it feels like March not May in Vancouver this this year and have that conversation back and forth so they feel like it's more of a personal email but yet it's still a mass email when we do that though we have to have those different fields in our CRM that we fill in for everyone that's in them um, mm -hmm which isn't always easy unless you have someone that just manages your list and can go through and say, okay, well, <laughs> you know, we're going to say this for these people. We're going to say this for these people. And, and I've done that in when I was networking. I had an app that enabled me to afterwards say, okay, I met them at this meeting on this date and this is what they liked. And I was able to fill in a bunch of different fields from the conversation of meeting them. And then I was able to have these types of emails because, oh, you know, I just love the fact that we met at, you know, I haven't seen you since. Mm -hmm. And it just personalized the email a bit more. But that takes an extra lot of work up front. Yeah. What do you ask people for when they're signing up for your email address? Honestly, right now, my main form has a first name, last name, email address, and where is it that they met me? Mm -hmm. Or how did they get to my list? But then I only require them to fill in their first name and their email address. The rest is, is voluntary. Uh, I'm big on transparency and consent. 
Um, and a part of it is also, you know, I will only request as much information from you about yourself as, as much as you're willing to share yourself. Yeah. You know, so I'm not asking more than that. Plus you're asking people online. So when I was doing, I am. yeah. So when I was doing that little form that I would fill in, I would fill it in after a networking group that I would meet somebody in person. You know, people are a lot more open with information and they want those personalized emails from someone that they've met face to face. Whereas when it comes to online, you know, we get really kind of creeped out when people start, oh, how is the weather in such and such? It's like, well, how do you know I live in such and such a place? So you really have to, to be careful of how much information you, you collect and how you utilize that information. Because when we are too personalized, we can scare people. And yet that seems to be where marketing is going with the data that we collect and the data that Facebook is collecting and everything we can uh, target the, I was talking to one person on a podcast and he was talking about how we can target the guy sitting in, ta in Taco Bell with a red hat on Tuesday mornings. We don't want to freak that guy out by letting him know that we, he's sitting in Taco Bell with a red hat on Tuesday morning. That's kind of creepy, <laughs> honestly. It is, isn't it? So when we are collecting data, we have to be very careful about what we're collecting, what's appropriate. And just because you can, doesn't mean you should. Mm -hmm. Where people can find you, because I'm sure people are quite interested in your email and wanting to sign up to find out how you do it. To subscribe and join the mailing list and to see me practice what I preach and to see also sometimes bad copy in the wild because, you know, I'm mean sometimes. You can join at www.ackermancopywriting.com forward slash subscribe. As easy as that. Thank you for joining me today, Yuval, on Brand Appeal. I have enjoyed talking about email marketing and look forward to learning more about your story and the journey that you go through. Thank you so much, Shannon. It was a blast. Listener, I hope that you learned something today about email marketing and why it's important to have email as a channel in your marketing funnel. I've just spent a weekend finishing up the magazine for appealing podcasting issue, and I am about to email that out to everyone on my list, and I'm looking forward to sharing it with you so that you can learn about podcasting, brand storytelling, and which episodes of the 100 in 100 you want to listen to. Market Appeal members do receive the email one day before it hits social media. There's a lot coming down the pipeline for Market Appeal members. And don't forget, it is free to become a Market Appeal member. If you are interested, go to marketappeal.com, click on Book Appeal in the menu bar, and click on Members. Or check out or just open up the Appealing Magazine and inside you will find details about Market Appeal membership and why you want to join the Market Appeal community. Until my next email, peel out. <laughs>